Hey, guys, it looks like they're opening back up here in Kansas City. I know one thing, the golf courses are open, so I have been playing a little golf. I'm going to cut out some of those uh, extra podcasts in the middle of the week. I've got quite a few in the bank now. As it warms up, I'm going to be going outside doing things, and uh, I think we're through the worst of it for now. If it locks back down, why, I will fire back up and throw in an extra podcast every week. So hang in there, stay safe, stay well, and listen to this show about a Blanca Lupara. You are listening to Gangland Wire, hosted by former Kansas City Police Intelligence Unit Detective Gary Jenkins. Welcome, all you wiretappers out there. It's another one of the uh, COVID-19 series of podcasts in which I'm putting out a few extra episodes to keep everybody entertained as best I can. I've got our good friend Cam Robinson on the line in the studio, in his studio, and I'm in mine like everybody else out there. Of course, we're used to doing this, aren't we, Cam? Right, right. Old hand. <laughs> Welcome, Cam. I understand it's snowing up there in Munster, Indiana, in the suburbs of Chicago. Yeah, we had uh, we did we did have a blanket of snow this morning, about a quarter to a half an inch. It, it was Bummer. really it's almost an awful, April. Awful I mean, it surprise. is April. It's almost it May. It is April. Hell yeah! It's it's an awful now, I mean, awful a, surprise. The coldest winter I ever spent or the coldest spring I ever spent was when I had to go to Chicago several times <laughs> in April. Tell me about it. Tell I me was, about it. I, every time I came back to Kansas City, it's like, oh, my God. I'm like going down south here, man. I'm not lying. So we're going to talk about Anthony Strollo. And, and, Cam, you know, I told you the reason I want to talk about this particular murder he wasn't really that important a guy. He was important back in the, uh, what, the 50s, I guess, in the post-war uh, New yeah, York 40s, Mafia, 50s, yeah. family. But he was a, a prime example of a Blanca Lupara, or a white shotgun. And I just learned that term from Sicily, that that means that when you don't ever find the body, why, that's a Blanca Lupara, which uh, <laughs> this thing is such a, a good, colorful uh, right. apropos description, don't you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. <laughs> So Anthony Tony Bender Strollo, he was a uh, longtime leader in the Genovese crime family. Um, they were active on east side of Manhattan, the Lower East Side, the East Side, and Greenwich Village area. Uh, but they eventually would have a falling out. Uh, he was born in New York City, like a lot of these guys. You know how many of these guys, Cam, have we talked about where they, they were born in New York City and around the turn of the century— and uh, their parents were immigrants from Italy, or they were kids who were immigrants from Italy, had a large family, and dad was a laborer. Uh, mm -hmm. As the kid grew up, you know, there was not really, you know, for Italian immigrants at that time, there was not really that much opportunity. You had to go out and create your own opportunity, start a little business. You weren't going to get accepted into the trades because the, uh, the Irish and the Germans yeah. and the English had all the trades sewed up. And you're not going to get an education, anyhow, maybe an eighth-grade education. Heck, half the country, three-quarters of the country probably didn't have much more than eighth-grade education in yeah. the early 1900s. Uh, you know, he got married, started raising the family, said he was working as a truck driver. But as a young man, I'm sure he probably joined a street gang like all of them did. And, and yeah. he got picked up by the uh, Giuseppe Masseria Mafia organization, which was one of the Joe the Boss, one of the old mustache Pete's. 
his wife, he didn't stay married to her long, and, and we really don't know what, exactly what happened to her. But then the Castelmarice War came along, the 1930-31, where Lucky Luciano and Vito Genovese and uh, Meyer Lansky was part of this, and they killed Joe the Boss off and, and threw all their men in with Salvatore Maranzano, and that's really when they started forming the five families. Uh, Strollo became a lieutenant in the Luciano organization and, and was an ally of Vito Genovese. And, and actually, here's, a, here's an interesting little tidbit, is Joe Valachi was one of the men in Strollo's crew. He had nightclubs and restaurants, and, and he mainly oversaw rackets on the west side docks. Can you say, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what, what's the name of that movie? Uh, on the Waterfront, yeah. One of the one of the things they said about uh, Astrolo is his his allegiance has changed. He went from from uh, uh, Mazaria to Maranzano to to uh, Genovese, and so he was a guy that, that bounced around and, and was was not always loyal. But he he married a second time uh, uh, and and stayed in New York. They uh, traveled around a little bit. He was starting to live large around the around the forties. He was was making a family. He was settling in. He was. Had, had sort of increased that power, and like a lot of these guys at the time, they had relocated out to to New Jersey. You get guys like uh, Anastasia was in New Jersey. I think Genovese had a place in New Jersey. A lot of these guys tended to move out there, and they they got involved in Jersey politics because they wanted to control the the area around them. Uh, Jersey City. They had a lot of a lot of. A lot of ties, and the politics in Jersey City were very, very corrupt. Mayor uh, John V. Kenny was 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 one example. He got involved, and there was a was a meeting. Uh, there, there was a formal meeting between between the Jersey City mayor and Strollo, and you've got local actors setting this up. This is when when you have a lot of Hollywood figures and politicians openly meeting with with mafia figures, and Strollo being of the stature that he was. You have have this actor Phil Reagan setting up a meeting between the Jersey City Mayor and Anthony Strollo to sort of work out uh, some of the conflicts that were going on in with with labor and some other issues going on in in Jersey City. Later on, Strollo was one of the guys who pushed uh, Tony Provenzano into leadership. Uh, Tony Provenzano would be a later generation, but when he joined the local 560 of the Teamsters, that was sort of at Strollo's behest, uh, uh, sort of pushing on the next generation, as you were, leading into that the beginning of the, the control of the Teamsters there, creating that, that what would eventually be the allyship with, the, with uh, James Jimmy Hoffa, and we know how that ended up. Yeah, he was uh, Tony Pro at you know back in the day were were pals with Jimmy Hoffa really right. until they had their falling out. Right. But I tell you, those uh, that mafia man, they saw that union thing mm-hmm. and how powerful that was to, and and he was one of the early guys that that got into the Teamsters, and and I didn't really realize that, that that's how he got started. Yeah, and he would become a major character, and that was such a huge power base for him, especially politically. You know, you can't have a mafia family unless you've got connections to politics, mm-hmm. local and state at least. May not be able to get to federal politics, but local and state, you got to have a connection to. Them to have connections to the courts, 
to have connections to getting contracts uh, for building highways and and hauling things and to get around uh, local regulations if you want to and uh, and keep the local police off your butt because they're the ones that are right yeah. there where the rubber meets the road. They're 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 your neighbors and and they're in the streets where you are. Those FBI agents they're sitting in the office and and so they. Uh, uh, you know, they really needed those connections. And Teamsters Union was such a huge, powerful union. And the dock workers back east, mm-hmm. that New Jersey area, they they were the ones that put in the local politicians. Their votes are the ones that counted. Uh, nobody else counted because you take one labor leader and get him to tell all of his members of his local, say, vote for Tony Provenzano or vote for this uh, uh, mayor, John Kenney, and they all vote for John Kenney. Yeah. And he gets elected. You can't do, you know, maybe churches can kind of, preacher will tell people to vote a certain way, as we're seeing in modern times. But, boy, back then, labor unions, they controlled local government. Absolutely. And the mob knew that. They were, the guys were smart. He was uh, involved in the usual things I'd see, uh, loan sharking, bookmaking, gambling, uh, got involved in nightclubs and bars any, anytime there's any kind of gray area stuff going on you know the mob moves in because there's money to be made on the side and there's graft and corruption to to bribe uh, uh, you know policemen and and city officials uh, uh, out of those gray uh, gray market areas shall we say or nightclubs and bars where a lot of illegal things are attracted to that that particular area yeah uh, but, uh, you know, it's during this time, uh, Vito Genovese got into some problems with narcotics. Do you remember anything about that? When he was, when, when Genovese was, was deported a little bit earlier, uh, it, this is how tight Strolla was. Genovese was, was deported earlier to this prior to World War I. I don't mean to, to jump back, but Strolla was supposed to be in control of the family. And then, uh, as we know, Frank Costello came and took over and sort of pushed Strollo out of power, and then Genovese came back. That was when, and Strollo was actually the man who set up Frank Costello for the shooting. Then Genovese came to power after after Frank Costello bowed out. Genovese was tight with, with Strollo again, but Strollo... It looked like he was not going to, not going to be as popular with, with Genovese. So the idea is that Strollo and Gambino, uh, Carlo Gambino, may have gotten together to set up Genovese on some of these these drug charges in 1959. Uh, Strollo, obviously, he was participating in a lot of the narcotics because he was he was basically Genovese's partner. But it is it looks there it's very likely that that Strollo and Gambino set up Vito Genovese. He was just too much of a problem. He was he was too violent. This eventually led to Genovese branding him a traitor. Probably one of the worst things you could be in the late fifties was was on the outs with Vito Genovese. And, I mean that was that was no uh, no way to be. Earlier we see what happened to a guy named Augie uh, Augie Pisano uh, Carfano. He was he was another Genovese lieutenant that that Strollo had killed. He was he was high up in the Genovese organization. Genovese had a history of killing men close to him as soon as he perceived any sort of betrayal. So this is a guy, uh, Anthony Carfano, who Strollo set up and killed. And then within a year, you've got Strollo, who is perceived as a traitor by Genovese, which he very likely was. In addition, uh, Genovese believed that while he was in prison, 
uh, Strolla was holding out money on him also. That's what that was what was kind of overheard is that Strolla was over was was holding out money and that he he set him up. At this time, uh, Genovese ordered Strollo be eliminated. Around, uh, it was 1962, Strollo tells his wife he needs to step out. This is in New Jersey. He drives off in his, in his uh, uh, late model Cadillac, and he is never heard from again. You know, uh, Cam, another interesting little tidbit during that time was uh, Joe Valachi. You know, Joe Valachi was part of Strollo's crew. So Valachi is... He's jumped bail mm-hmm. on another charge that he's got, and Strollo convinces him to come back to New York City and turn himself in. And and after he gets, turns himself in, that's when the kind of set in motion when the, and then he goes to prison down there with Genovese, and, and and he thinks that that Genovese wants to have him killed, and uh, he kills another prisoner. Uh, thinking that, that that's a guy that's sent to kill him, and, and then he's got a murder charge, and that's when he ends up coming in and, and becoming the you know the star witness of the fifties. Really, I mean, he and he started it all. He was you know, Appalachian started a lot of federal attention, but but, but yeah, Joe Valachi, he, Joe Valachi when he really, testified. Whether you, whether you believe it or not, there was enough in there that that made mm-hmm. the entire country believe there was a mafia. Absolutely, they could not deny it. Uh, after and, Appalachian and then Joe Valachi revealing they not yeah. denied, and so J. Edgar Hoover could not deny it after that. Yeah. And I think Genovese also held, you know how if a guy works for you and then you had anything to do with him just before he turns, yeah. then your your stuff is weak too, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they're going to look at you, what, what did you have to do with this? Absolutely. And, and so he had a variety of reasons to uh, to want to get rid of Strollo, a guy like Genovese. Yeah. I mean, he was, oh, yeah. He was a murderer, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, big I see big that time. Uh, his rackets, uh, Strollos, when he disappeared, I gave them to uh, a guy named Patsy Ryan Eberle, uh, who was a brother of Tommy Eberle, yeah. who was a kind of a longtime uh, mafia guy that goes goes way back to the earlier days. He was the uncle of Chicago mobster Louis the Mooch Eberle, who was in the uh, Grand oh, really? Avenue crew, yeah. yeah. I knew I knew that name. That's right. I'd forgotten it was from Chicago, huh? Interesting. Mm-hmm. He's under uh, Joey Lombardo. The FBI ever figure out uh, who did anything about this? You know, this is one of those great little little mafia stories that that, that you and I like so much. Uh, several years later, there is, I believe it was 1963 when the FBI had planted those those recording devices that they couldn't use for evidence, but they they used to sort of figure out how things worked. There was uh, Angelo Little Pussy Russo, and that's where the, where the Sopranos, these are New Jersey mobsters, uh, that's the yeah. Sopranos uh, got that, uh, that name, uh, Pussy Bumpincero, that's where the, the Sopranos got the name. Uh, the boss of New Jersey, a guy named Ruggiero Boyardo, apparently during a conversation with Sam Giancana, Sam Giancana was in New Jersey, he was razzing Boyardo about his man, uh, Anthony, uh, little pussy uh, Russo, saying, who's he ever killed? He's never killed anybody. Boyardo says, well, you know, he killed Tony Strollo. Later on, Tony Russo is kind of proud of this, and he's talking to another guy, uh, Angelo Gip DiCarlo, and he says, yeah, he said, well, he killed Tony Strollo, meaning me, and he said, well, yeah, that's right, you took out Tony Strollo by yourself, and... You know, by these guys just talking, sort of bragging and 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 uh, uh, sort of making light, and Sam G and Connor razzing the guy earlier through these 
recordings the FBI set up, we do know that that this guy, uh, uh, Anthony Little Pussy Russo, it's a hell of a name, isn't it? (laughs) 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 He is the one who claimed responsibility for taking out Anthony Strollo. And he got apparently a lot of credit for that because because Tony Strollo was a pretty high ranking guy. Yeah. You know, those, uh, uh, the reason they learned, they earned, uh, the reason the FBI learned all that, that's when back in the day before the uh, uh, Omnibus Crime Control Act mm-hmm. of 1968, and wiretaps were, were not just blatantly illegal. Now, they could not use that information directly in court. And, right, but they had they had inter- they had microphones and wiretaps all over Everywhere. the place that they just used like they were informants. That's uh, right, that, and that's, ex- that's exactly. There's a lot of those uh, uh, Angelo Jip Jip De Carlo tapes out there, or and, and uh, transcripts like, from them, like Sam De Cavalcante and Patriarca had one in his place. I mean, there, there's okay. there's a lot that 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 you can hear, and on a lot of them, you got Sam Giancana calling everybody and their brother talking talking shit to everybody. <laughs> So he was really he was he making a lot of a phone character. calls. He was he was sounding like a couple of high school boys or <laughs> a couple of young policemen right. <laughs> bitching about something. He ain't nobody. What's he ever done? Right. <laughs> He's that's never right. killed anybody. That's that's exactly how it went. <laughs> Hell, I've had conversations like that about the third party, but it wasn't about killing somebody. But it's like you know that, that dude ain't never arrested anybody. <laughs> When's the last time he even did any kind of a dangerous-looking car check or anything? Or had an inf- that dude, I remember this was one we had a lot. That dude doesn't have one informant. <laughs> I got rid of a guy in my unit one time. He'd piss me off for another reason. I said, you know, I said, why don't you write me a report about all the informants you've got? And he's like, oh, well, because <laughs> he didn't have any. <laughs> So Giancana, he was was just like the rest of us, just a human being. That's right. (laughs) Let's see, is there something here about uh, Harold K. O'Konisberg? He he was injured. I think that was just a, that was kind of, he he claimed, you know, uh, he he claimed a lot of stuff. I I would skip Okay. Well, uh, you know, we don't need to go yeah. into that. Uh, yeah, you're right. Strollo, April 8th, 1962, Strollo disappeared. And his guest was over in New Jersey, so I guess yeah. he's up and he's out there in one of those New Jersey swamps somewhere. <laughs> he's down in the Meadowlands. He's never going to. Down in the metal underneath the Meadowlands or whatever, one of their mob graveyards down that, that uh, Tony Sprano the, drives by on his way to work Barons. every day. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I once flew into Newark with some people, and the guy that met us and gave us a ride up into to Manhattan pointed out. He said, "Look, he said this is the route that you see on the Sopranos right down the Turnpike when, whenever he's going to, into uh, Manhattan. It's like, damn, right up the Jersey Turnpike. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> All right. Well, this is this has been fun, and another one of those uh, Blanca Lupara murders. We had one in Kansas City. Poor old." Uh, Sal Manzo disappeared. Sal Manzo. They called a, a, a Italian policeman, and it wasn't like he was corrupt or anything. He just was from the community, and and they wanted to know. They wanted Manzo's family to know that 
he was dead, I think, because they took all of his clothes and put them in a trash can <laughs> over in uh, in the Italian neighborhood. And then somebody gave an anonymous call to this policeman and said, go check that trash can. And he went over there, and there was all Sal's clothes. Mm-hmm. Now, I asked a guy recently, I said, you know, it's, whoever killed him is probably long dead. And his family, because I was contacted by a member of his family at one of my programs I did about oh, a year or so ago and said, you know, do you think there's any way we could ever find his body or his remains so would just know or they could do something with him and uh so i asked this guy and he said uh oh he said he's just he's right over the hill from where they found those clothes which there's like a it's it's a big cliff right there in a park and then a cliff that goes straight down and but i don't think they're there i don't know and they're not talking no 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 Hell. He was not very well liked, did he? How they don't want nobody wants to do anything for his family. <laughs> nobody gives a damn anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cold, cruel world, Ooh, man. man. I mean, he, he was no innocent bystander. Uh, let me assure you of that. These guys. <laughs> I think he had a case that might be coming down on him, and he made a statement, something about he didn't want to go back to prison. So That's, man, you hear that a lot. Oh, I don't know if I want to go back, and, man, yeah, that's yeah. that's the damn... I'm getting, I'm getting too old for this shit. You that's know, the that's damn when they kiss. start getting nervous. If, I, if he had anything on me, that's when I'd be getting nervous. He had a lot of stuff. He was involved with the... Uh, Oh, the bingo scheme they had going. Yeah, I remember that. Until casinos came in, he was all involved with the bingo scheme, so he knew all about that and where that money went to. They had uh, um, set up a couple of fake nonprofits and ran a couple of bingo games and, and raked money out of those fake nonprofits. So that was he knew about that, and he knew about a lot of things. He was a pretty major fence for him and knew all the connections there. So he 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 would have been a good one. He he was not. I don't even think he was a made guy, but he was. He had been involved all right. his life, so he he would have been a good one. Not far off, yeah. Oh well. <laughs> all right. Well, I I think we've done Anthony Strollo. You got anything more you want to say about that? No, I think uh, I think we got him pretty well covered. Got uh, got a lot of good names in there in this one. You mentioned this. We didn't go down this path. We mentioned this Harold K. O. Konigsberg. I'm, I'm working on killed a lot of guys. I'm working on some stuff. I just just got working a book. On stuff on I that. just got a book on him, and there's some real great stuff with him and Provenzano. I just want to put together a little bit more information. I, I'm not going to overdo it. I promise you. But okay. I just I just right. want to do a couple more things. Uh, a couple more things. Uh, he's a real you, good you, one. You are a good researcher. <laughs> he's a real good one. <laughs> All right, it, it, it's been great, Cam, and uh, we'll get this up for the COVID-19 people that are shut in and aren't able to go out. I, right now, as we're doing this, it looks like maybe, I don't know, our mayor's saying another three weeks, uh, maybe the third week of May, and we're in the, what, the, almost the third week of April, mm-hmm. so another month, I'm, I'm afraid. Uh, here in Kansas City. I don't, I don't know what's going on up in Chicago there. It's, but, it's bad. We got we got. Couple that I mean in in my county alone, just 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 across the border here, we got we got eight hundred and some cases up in Chicago. They got they got several thousand. It's it's going to be a while yeah. up there. Yeah, I mean they yeah, got thousands. You know what? You know what they say is the uh, the cases start leveling off, but the deaths keep going up for a little bit, yeah. and then they'll level off, and then it'll start back down. Yeah. But even when that when that starts back down, we start going back out. We're going to have to get that second wave. Stay away from each other. 
Yeah. You're going to have to be careful. Everybody be wearing masks. It'll look like we're in China or something, or Japan. Everybody be wearing masks. I'm going to be wearing one of them when I go back into the stores and Absolutely. pushing up against people. I We just bought some nice sort of sort of long-term, you know, I've been wearing those those paper, you know, the, the, the ones you get at the hardware store, but... We just yeah. we just bought some sort of sort of nice ones with with design sort of sort of uh, cloth ones that, that you wear. My wife wanted something to look nice. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, my wife made made us a few, so uh, <laughs> we'll probably just keep wearing those. I don't know where you buy those fancy the M ninety five mask. I'll leave those up to the let the the people that are actually out on the front lines have yeah. those. I don't even try to get one of those. All right, Cam. This has been great. Thanks a lot. Later. Take care. So that was my good friend Cam Robinson from Munster, Indiana, talking about Blanca Lupara, the disappearance of Anthony Tony Bender Strollo. It's kind of an interesting story. If you're a veteran and you believe you have problems that might be from PTSD that's connected to your service time, call your local vet center or the local VA hospital in your area, or there's a national hotline, 1-800-273-8255, and press 1 if you're a vet. You can go to www.ptsd.va.gov, and this site contains a lot of uh, interesting information and a lot of good resources. When the COVID's over, as we say, when the COVID-19 virus is over and everybody's getting back to work, you can hit me up for a cup of coffee or a shot and a beer on my Venmo app, Gangland Wire. I've got my two movies out there, Brothers Against Brothers, The Sabella Spiro War, and Gangland Wire, which is the kind of the story behind the movie Casino, the story about the mob war in Kansas City that led to the uncovering of the skimming information. Got Leaving Vegas, How FBI Wiretaps Ended Mob Domination of Las Vegas Casinos. Get the Kindle version. You can link the... Uh, I've linked the wiretaps, actual audio from wiretaps, to sections in the book. Good evening, folks. Music provided by our good friend and super fan from Portland, Oregon, Casey McBride. Thanks, Casey. <laughs>